What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another edition of the Jays for Days podcast. I'm Josh. He's Josh. We got Jays, Jumpers, Jaron Jackson Juniors, John Morantz, Joe Johnson, Jaw Rafts, of course. We've got Jays. We got him for days. Josh, how you doing? It is incredibly cold outside. It is so cold. That does not make me happy. I mean, it's that time of year and we got lucky in December, but it doesn't it, really help my state of mind. It's it's the coldest I can remember it since a few years ago when we were juniors in college. We got a day off of school because it was like uh, like dangerously cold. It was like yes, negative the, 30 degrees. The game at Hinkle Fieldhouse went on. Yes. Did it? Was there a game that night? Yes. I, I just remember having to go to my internship that night. But, you know, the show must go on when it, there are tickets to be sold. And more importantly, the logistical nightmare that is trying to get tickets refunded yes. and games rescheduled and all of those other things. But yes, um, it's freaking cold. You should see my car. I just finished driving eight hours, eight and a half. It usually takes me seven. It took me eight today, eight and a half to drive from Indianapolis to Memphis. And my car looks like it's been through the ringer because of how much salt and ice is just sort of stuck to it. Um, it's Memphis and Indianapolis, two very different places in terms of the weather, especially in the, in the winter in particular, it gets much hotter here, but like it's humid and hot in Indiana too, but it gets stupid cold there. Not all that often are we down in the twenties in Memphis. And today is one of those days. It's just not, even comfortable here either and that's you're right that's making me a little sad yeah. it's only four o'clock it's, it's you know 4 53 here and the sun's about to go down you're back in india i'm sure the sun's have been down for a little while or at least it's getting pretty close yeah it's getting close mm-hmm. yeah nonetheless we have braved the elements elements being long car drives and the fact that my microphone broke on that car drive. So maybe I sound a little different than I usually do, but though all of those elements involved were, were rolling. We're still here, albeit a day later than we usually are. Indeed. Today. Here's what we're going to do today. We're in, we're out. Also, um, driving into the city, uh, listening to local Memphis sports talk radio which is really just a different breed. But today, uh, the topic they were talking about is that the one of the guards on Memphis's team, Alex Lomax, his dad basically called up the columnist, the lead sports columnist of one of the papers here and was just like, hey, I want to vent about Memphis. I don't think my son is really as injured as Penny Hardaway is saying he is. And I think that he's being benched, basically. Paraphrasing, of course. Mm-hmm. but we can just add it to the really long list of things that that go on here in Memphis in the 901 around the Tigers basketball team on the good scale side of things like Amani Bates and Jalen Dern pretty much out of nowhere becoming Memphis Tigers. And on the other end of it, uh, things like losing to Tulane and having players, fathers call up unsolicited the local paper to talk crap about um, a team that has a very intense fan base and just a weird history the last 10 years or so. So for example, Josh, I would be out on Memphis. I don't know where you are, but I would be out on Memphis. There are teams that would join them in that equation, uh, teams that I'm out on, but there are also teams that I am very much in on uh, as we turn the calendar year, head into 2022, get into the meat and potatoes of conference play, and I, you know, I, I want to know which teams you're in and which teams you're out on. And I'm especially curious what, uh, it, if your context changes to what in means or what out means, depending on, depending on the team. Because I found myself, you know, being out on Purdue and being out on, hypothetically, being out on Purdue and being out on Memphis mean two different things, yeah. right? Um, especially in the context of what we've been talking about those two, did the context in which we've been talking about those two teams, you know, picked at random uh, the last three months or so. So that can mean different things. So I'm curious where you landed with your list of your list of uh, winners, if you will, that made it onto your final five in each category. 
and I looked at this from the perspective of where this team would be if the season ended today and where I think they're going to end. Yeah, totally. So that was that was my approach. Gotcha. Okay, let's begin. Would you like to start with on the uh, – do you want the veggies or do you want dessert first? Let's do veggies first. Okay, give me somebody. Who are you out on? This one's going to surprise you, but we're going to start with it. Okay. Iowa State Cyclones. Oh, man. Again, this is all relative. That was one of the most horrifying offensive performances against Texas Tech I have ever seen, typically against Texas Tech's role players, since the guys that scored for Texas Tech weren't playing. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was truly horrifying at times. There was a point I think they had more air balls than made field goals, and we're talking six minutes left in the second half, for the second half. So they went 14 minutes, and I think it was two made field goals, and it was at least two air balls. Mm -hmm. I mean, yes. And this is not me completely changing my tune from the discussion we just had. They are good. Their start is not an illusion, and they did find a way to win this game. Mm -hmm. And Isaiah Brockington hit a huge shot, hit a three, got fouled, did a very Isaiah Brockington thing. My point here is they're a top 30 team, not a top 10 team. Right, We're talking about mm-hmm. some kind of probably three, four seed at the very worst if the season were to end today. Mm-hmm. I expect them to be a five, six, seven. I just, they can't, they're not going to score enough points to, I mean, if Texas Tech's at full strength, Texas Tech wins that game. Now, Iowa mm-hmm. State led for most of it, but then Texas Tech started scoring and Iowa State had no answer until the very end and they pulled it out. I just don't think they're going to keep keep up what they've been doing in terms of winning every single time they play, right? Because the resume looks great right now. Quality Mm -hmm. wins, your losses to the best team in the country. It's going to look different come March. You know, I will, throughout the course of the podcast here, will, I'm going to allude several times to our our, our close friend and sneakily, not sneakily, Lucas is absolutely one of the better bracketologists in the country not just on the independent college basketball media side side of things but i'll allude to his um his first bracketology um every every once in a while throughout this throughout this podcast um but with that with that being said um i i, I will pose a question for you anyways are you just to to put that out there, but I there are two ways to move down seed lines and move down seed lines in in a significant way. One is there are just too many teams that get better wins than you do, and then they're losing to teams you shouldn't, and therefore your resume isn't as good. Which one? If I asked you, which one? is more likely to happen to the Cyclones team. Is it going to be a, they just sort of get jumped or, and they go something, you know, around 500 in conference and they don't beat Kansas and they don't beat Baylor and, um, you know, Texas Tech sort of ends up being the best one that they have. So really it's just a, the bulk of their resume, at least from the highlighted portions comes from non-conference and they just sort of get jumped by teams that get good ones in conference play or, are we going to look up on March 5th after they play Baylor to end the season? And maybe they have like a sneaky TCU loss or a, um, you know, they, they trip up on a random Tuesday in the middle of February and lose at home to Kansas state, that kind of thing. What do you, which one do you think is more likely? I mean, I guess it's the first one with the teams passing with quality wins. To me, it's almost option three, which is racking up too many quality losses. They're just the record's not going to be there to be a two seed, a three seed. Sure. They're going to, it's, it's just, it's not going to, despite where they're at now, I just don't think it's going to look quite pretty enough for that to be the end result. So that would be my answer. Right this second, Lucas has Iowa State as a six seed. What? How? Well, your one seeds are Baylor, Arizona, Gonzaga, Duke. Your two seeds are Auburn, Kansas, Purdue, and LSU. And part of this is projection, mind yeah, you. Okay. 
See, that's where I'm taking this very literally of if the season ended today. But let me give you all the teams that are on the seed lines ahead of them. UCLA, Houston, USC, Michigan State, Illinois, Wisconsin, Alabama, Villanova, and Wisconsin. Providence, Tennessee, Xavier, and Kentucky. Those are the 20 teams ahead of them on seed lines. Yeah, see, I disagree with multiple of those. Okay. Lenardi um, has them as a three. Okay, so are they – Hold on. I actually wrote it down so I can find it. Four C. Which to me is more reasonable, and I still would argue they should be a three. But, okay. Yeah. So, okay. So, if you're taking it from that perspective and you think there are six, then I would not have them on this list. Gotcha. Okay. So, a six seed is. So, you, do you think they would fall further than a six seed, or is a six. Kind of where you think they'll end up. Six or seven. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, I will offer up my first. Um, I'm out on Houston. Um, Houston right now third. Uh, and Lucas's, I haven't looked at lone artists, uh, to be to be honest with you. Um, Houston is first on my list because um, right this second. Houston is still inside the top three at Kempom, um, still in the top 11 of both offensive and defensive efficiency. Um, they're the only team in the top 10 not named Baylor to be inside the top 11 of both. Um, but I'm not sure I believe in a Houston team um, whose defense is good and really good, relatively speaking, to the rest of the country, but from a I, I'm not sold on it being as good as it usually is. Um, and then when you lose a guy like Marcus Sasser to injury, I am, I think we're going to end up in a place where Houston has one or two losses in, um, in American conference play that they shouldn't have. Um, and otherwise, and, and that'll end up, we'll end up seeing them lower down on the list than, than we might otherwise. There's just not as much. I, I'm kind of with you. I, I find it hard to believe with the amount of quality teams this season, they're going to be able to stay up at the top the way they did last year. And there's also the reality of, right. Instead of having two guards that you really feel like are borderline all Americans, you're down to zero. And maybe that's a little extreme for Marcus Sasser last season, but mm -hmm. I, I'm with you. I don't, I did not have them as one of mine, but that's a pretty good call. And if for no other reason than the, I mean, the AAC just isn't helping them. Right. They're going to have, they're pretty much hurting them or keeping them in the same right. spot. Unless they just run the table and end with one loss or something, then okay, maybe they end up as a two seed. Mm -hmm. But you lose Marcus Sasser. Yeah. I, that's a good call. So, uh, and, and this is a team that also has, you know, already lost Tremont Mark, who is averaging 10 points per game. Um, it's a banged up team, a, you know, like everybody else, a, a COVID ridden team, but um, a team that is, has lost guys that they're not going to get back um, right now. Lucas has them as a three seed. Uh, Lenardi uh, has, has Houston on the, where'd you say? Four on the four line that's closer maybe they don't just because the AAC is so bad and like not even Memphis is anywhere near an elite team that that maybe they just win so many games that they don't drop below a four um but I am I think we'll see them either hang on to where they are or take a slight step back just because I think somebody's going to catch them that shouldn't catch them just because of uh, some of the injuries they have uh, at this point and guys that they're not going to get back. Are we going to bounce back and forth or do you want to just roll through the veggies and then we'll get to the good stuff? Let's bounce back and forth. Okay. So we're going to take a, we're going to take a break from the green beans. We're heading to the chocolate chip cookies. 
whatever cookie you fancy. Um, what, uh, give me a team that you are in on as of right now. This is going to be out of left field. So brace yourself. Notre Dame. <laughs> How did we get to Notre Dame? Please tell me. <laughs> well, we got a couple of reasons. First of all, they are on a four game winning streak. Mm-hmm. They have in their last six games, they have beaten Kentucky. Pittsburgh, which is only a conference win. That's the only reason I put it in there. And most recently, North Carolina. Yes, a North Carolina without some key players. Yes, at home. However, especially because Dawson Garcia was not there, North Carolina had to do more of their traditional too big thing. Mm -hmm. And they could not deal with the four guards Notre Dame was putting on the floor. Mm -hmm. None of Notre Dame's losses are particularly bad. And somebody has to win games in the ACC. So I, they're not going to go shooting up the seed lines. But for a team that's had a bad start, I expect them to still be very much in the running to make the NCAA tournament. So there you go. I think, yeah, I, I, I saw Notre Dame play at the Crossroads Classic. And if, if we're talking about how I feel about the quality of product that a team puts on the floor, I'm out on Notre Dame. They don't score enough. They don't have a guy that's going to put the ball in his hands. And like, I don't really know who the best player on the, their team is. And it doesn't really, it, there's just nobody that's taking control on that team, but from a, they're well coached. They always are. And like you said, um, I mean, getting a win over North Carolina is not in, is not something to scoff at. And the other part of this and just, you know, can't be overlooked is um, they're off to a pretty good start in conference play. Um, As of right now, they're two and one in conference. Now, of course, you know, one of those losses to Boston college, like that, that, that kind of hurts. That's a tough one. Um, But with that being said, um, I didn't think, especially after that Crossroads Classic game, I didn't think that was a team that was going to be able to put enough wins together to get into the tournament conversation. And just, a, you know, three weeks later, I uh, would probably take a different stance on the Fighting Irish as of right now. Yeah, there's no superstar. It's just a very good collection of players that need to play well every game. I am in, and I'm cheating a little bit. This is a, a group of a, a two, two teams. But I am in on Loyola Chicago, and I am in on San Francisco. And this is more of an excuse to talk about Loyola Chicago and San Francisco. They randomly played each other. The fact that they ran, like, like, can you imagine? Like, I equate this a little bit to, like, the way that women's college basketball non-conference happens from a, like, let's just play. Let's just do it. Just everybody play everybody. And we'll have a really good idea who the best team in the country is. And, and there's more of that now in, in the men's game, whether it's these, you know, MTEs over Thanksgiving, whether it's the champions classic, the, you know, RIP to the crossroads classic, but these kind of things that put teams in the same building. Um, but like Duke and Kansas aren't going to do this, right? Like Loyola Chicago and San Francisco did this for no other reason than to challenge each other. Right, Duke and Kansas play. They get a bunch of money from it because they're playing on national television. This game was on a weekday in the middle of the afternoon. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but the point I want to get to is that you know, Loyola Chicago wins this game, seventy nine seventy four, and this is like there's no. I don't. I, I can't understand how anybody would walk away from that game and think anything other than these are two good basketball teams, not good to, not two good mid majors, but two good basketball teams. I think we'll continue to see that. I think San Francisco will beat either BYU will beat BYU and or Gonzaga at some point in um, the West coast. If they go own four against those two teams, I will be genuinely surprised. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if one of the better games that gonzaga plays between now and when they play 
somebody in the sweet 16 that um that it, that it be on february 24th when uh they go to san francisco to play uh to play the dons so i am in i'm in on those two teams um Lucas's seven line right now is fantastic. Colorado State, San Francisco, and Loyola Chicago are all on his seven line right now. I'm just in on that seven line, I guess. Um, but and, and you know, a seed line here or there are difference when you when you look elsewhere. But um, I'm in on those two teams. Those are two good basketball teams. Period. Not uh, you don't need to qualify it with mid major or anything like that. I also have Loyola as one of mine. Hit me. Talk to me. I- for to me, this is and again, I we don't need to go have this conversation again, but this is the complete opposite of what the resume looked like last year. They have two losses. They're the teams mm-hmm. currently in the top ten that have mm-hmm. only gotten better since they played. Right. So they're six, seven for most people, I think, right now in the seed line. Mm-hmm. The way the MVC is going and the way they're playing, they might not lose a conference game. Or if they mm-hmm. lose one, it's not a huge deal because they have so many, they have some quality wins. Mm-hmm. And going and getting a win over San Francisco only adds another, you know, you got Arizona State, you got DePaul, Vanderbilt. Yes, none of those teams are great, but none of them are awful either. And the other point I want to make yes, they're not as high in Ken Palm overall as they were at the end of last season. They're 21st through Thursday's games. Mm-hmm. However, they're 15th in offense. Mm. You want to guess where they were at the end of last season? Now, their defense isn't as good. That's why they're not as high. But you want to take a guess as to where their offense was? 55th? Not too far off. 41st. Okay. All right. This is a very – echoing what you said. This is a very good team, and I see every opportunity for them to continue to pile up the wins, really build this resume out, and end up closer to the four line. Mm-hmm. So I agree with you. Fantastic. Okay. So, so we just knocked out two of your ends yeah. then, didn't we? Yeah. Okay. Let's bounce back over to the other side. Who are you out on? LSU. Mm. I may come back to regret this because every time we dog LSU, LSU seems to continue to prove us wrong. <laughs> Here's why. Their month of this month, their games are as follows. Kentucky, yes, they won. Good, very good win. Tennessee at Florida, Arkansas at Alabama, at Tennessee, Texas A&M, and at TC. Mm-hmm. Similar to Iowa State, I just – I mean, if they can go 500, then maybe they're okay. Because, they, again, then there's a lot of winnable games at the end because they've got all the difficult ones in the front half. Right. But they're sitting there as you said, Lucas had him as a two. Lenardi has him as a three. Ken Palm has him 11th. Mm-hmm. To me, they're more on the four or five seed area than pushing a two. We'll see. They might, they got a chance to prove me wrong this month, but until they can get through that gauntlet, I expect them to take a step back. You know, when you, when we put these teams in a bracket, you kind of, it's a little not shocking, but it, the SEC has a massive footprint on the top of the sport right now. When in top of the sport, meaning the top five seeds, I mean, right, somewhere between two and five, you've got Auburn, LSU, Tennessee, Kentucky, Kentucky Alabama, right? I mean, like that's a fourth of the of the top twenty seeds, right? Um, and I, I say that to say that you probably have to be in on some of them and out on some of them yeah. from a, now maybe you think that they'll all sort of sit right where they are, but Lucas has, Lucas has two SEC teams on the two line right now. I don't think there's room for two SEC teams on the two line when we get to the end of the season. Um, I think they're going to do a lot of beating each other yep. and that maybe we've got one that's on the three line and three teams between the three and the five line, or maybe even four teams between the three and the five line. And maybe I'll be wrong, but, um, but I, I think that's a good, a, a, in terms of step back, step forward, that's not, not a bad one to be 
that's not a bad one to um, to be out on because somebody's going to have to. I, I just don't think that we'll get to the end of the season and two of the eight best resumes in the country belong to SEC teams. Maybe one of them does, but, uh, but I don't think two of them uh, are going to. I'm, I'm out on Wisconsin. Interesting. Whether it's – and, and Lucas, speaking of Lucas, Lucas and I were having this conversation. According to Lucas's, Lenardi has him six. This is another one. Lenardi has him six. I'm in on Wisconsin if we're talking to them as a six. Lucas has them as a four. And he and I were talking about this earlier today. For Wisconsin to have one of the 16 best resumes in the country at the end of the season, Johnny Davis has to be a first-team All-American. It's mandatory yeah. as far as I'm concerned. Now, right now, yeah, I mean, I mean, did you see Jeff Goodman's tweet yeah, that like yeah. he polled 20 people and like 14, 14 of them said Johnny Davis is the National Player of the Year? Yep. So like with all due respect to what Johnny Davis is doing, because he's he, – it's probably been the best player in the country this year, at least from a performance perspective, right? We can have a conversation about who's the best player in the country, but from a, the performance of the first two and a half months, there aren't a whole lot of guys that are, have done what Johnny Davis is doing. Um, and it, it's not that I, it, it, it doesn't really have anything to do with Johnny Davis. It's not that I think Johnny Davis isn't going to, is going to fall off a cliff, but like, this is the same team that like dropped a 55, you know, scored 55 against Ohio State. They scored 58 against problems. Yes, a game that yes, John Davis not involved in all of those. I understand. But when you look at two things, the Big Ten schedule is so demanding that they're gonna have, I think they're gonna have too many losses to be that to stay in that three, four seed range. And the other part of it is that the Big Ten, part of the Big Ten schedule that's so you know, daunting is you've got all these really good teams, and but you got to make sure you're staying up for the ones that are like Penn State on the road in the middle of February. I mean, ask Indiana about Penn State. Indiana shouldn't lose to Penn State, but they did. Indiana just beat Ohio State, but they lost to Penn State because they overlooked them. And like all of the teams in the Big Ten you can't look over, overlook any of them, even though you really want to, because you're looking, you're, they were looking at the Ohio state game. That's why they lost to Penn state. They weren't really concerned about Penn state. They, also, they, it's just a different animal on the road. Right. Which that too. To be my concern about Indiana. Not, we need to go down that path. Sure. Um, so it is. Johnny Davis is spectacular. And Johnny Davis single-handedly delivering Wisconsin to the five line would be really impressive because that's basically what's going to happen. And anything, anything ahead of that is just like really, really ridiculous to be honest. But like, I think we'll get to a point that we'll look up and a 12 and two Badgers team right now ends up looking like a team that has eight or nine losses, 10 losses, somewhere in that 20 and 10 kind of range, um, maybe 22 and eight. 21 and nine and four seed, I think is the ceiling. And uh, I'm out on the, the idea of them getting any better just because I feel like that's a really tall task for anybody to single-handedly do in the big 10. And I, until somebody on that team proves me that that's not the case, that's what Johnny Davis is doing. Single-handedly carrying that team through the, the big 10, if they end up with a, you know, 14 and six record in the conference. I thought about including them on this list. I chose to go with other Big Ten teams instead, so we'll talk about okay. them later. Okay. But the other side, shall we? Yeah. So like you, you gave me. Again? Yeah, I, I suppose that that makes sense for me to go again. I, I, I don't think I could, from a, from a where they stand now to a where I think they'll stand when we get to Selection Sunday perspective, I don't think I've ever been more in on somebody than I am on – Villanova at the moment. Villanova is a four seed in Lucas's bracket. Um, Villanova is not that far away from, I mean, they're six at Kempom and they have four losses. Like that, that just tells you the quality of team they are. Their losses are to UCLA, Purdue, Baylor, and Creighton. Um, they lost to UCLA in overtime and lost to Purdue by six. 
So they're not all that far away from actually being like 12 and two with wins over UCLA and Purdue. Um, right now that resume is like a three, four seed. Um, I expect them to march through conference play. Um, to be honest with you, uh, ultimately, I just think they're going to do the thing that they do every year. And that's just, I mean, they lost to Creighton. They've now beat Xavier Seton Hall and Creighton. Yeah. In three consecutive games. And now they get to play DePaul, Butler, Marquette, Georgetown, DePaul, St. John's, Marquette. In they, they play Xavier on January 12th. They don't play anybody not named DePaul, Butler, Marquette, or Georgetown until they play UConn on February 5th. So, like, we're probably going to be looking up, and they're going to be, like, 18 and 4. And I don't know where they are in the AP polls right this second, to be honest with you. Um, off the top of my head, but they're going to be inside the top 10 and like, we're going to get to a point where it's like, yeah, Villanova once again is a team that has at the worst a resume for a three seed. They were one of the first teams that came to mind when we started talking about this idea. And the more I thought about it, the more I just couldn't pull the trigger. Seen Hall was shorthanded. Yes, they have beaten very good teams in their conference, and they're looking much better. I just need to see a little bit more for me to be convinced they can get to a two. They should at least be a three. And to me, they are one. They have returned to being the favorites to win the Big East. So I definitely see your logic and was tempted to go that direction as well. There's actually a Big East team I'm even more confident in making a jump that I chose to pick instead. Okay. Would you like to to – share with the class or do you want to go to a different to a different chocolate chip cookie? let's let's stay in let's stay in order okay so oh wait no so we've done two of each now i have done two of each yes yeah so we need to go back to we need to go back to our veggies yes okay yes right because we already talked about loyal chicago yes, yes. okay yeah. next go back on. back to the veggies next team i'm out on minnesota Minnesota. This is kind is of kind of kicking a man. Is that kind of kicking a man while they're down? <laughs> you know, right? Resume right now, they're absolutely in the NCAA tournament conversation and probably would make the tournament if it started today. Mm-hmm. However, they lost at home to Illinois by 23. Their next three games are at Indiana versus Michigan State versus Iowa. They should lose all three of those. And I just expect Minnesota to go back to being closer to what they were supposed to be. Better. They are clearly a better team than I thought they were going to be. I just, it's one of those things. You get into Big Ten play and it doesn't really matter what you do in non-conference because you get this gauntlet thrown at you, especially when you're one of those teams that other teams aren't scared of, even if you're playing well. We talked about that with Northwestern last year. Of When you don't have to play yourself, it looks even worse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Minnesota is into that category. You know, I didn't think that they that Minnesota would be on the bubble on January seventh. Now, let's in in agreement with you. I'm gonna wait for them to take care of or not take care of their. Uh, I mean, they've got they did beat Michigan, but like I don't really know how to feel about Michigan right, to be honest exactly. with you. Yeah. Um, and then the other two. Big 10 games that they've played. They lost to Michigan State uh, at home, and then they got sort of shown the door by, by Illinois at home. Um, and that is I, – I, I think we'll probably get to a point where it's – maybe they're a little Northwestern-ish, right? Of course, they didn't get to the point that Northwestern did a couple years ago. Or was that last year? Was that last year? Is that just last year? They were like top 15 in the country. I don't know if they got that. Last year was the year where they started three and zero in big 10 player or whatever. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. This is what and I'm talking. And then, and then they finished like they four and yeah. 16 in yeah. conference, but um, maybe we're not, um, maybe not, we're not quite, maybe not falling off that big of a cliff, but um, also not completely sold that we uh, aren't, that we are not falling off that big of a cliff. Um, but I am, uh, 
I am there with you as well. See, this is, see, you're all in my head now, Josh, because I used Lucas's bracket to, to do a lot of this. And then I like to go look and it's like, yeah, if, based on Lenardi, like Lenardi, like some of it, I'm like one way, some way I'm the other way. It's driving me crazy. Um, I would like to talk about Kansas if we could. Oh, please. Um, Kansas is, what you have to say about Kansas. Kansas is a two seed in Lucas's bracket. They're a one seed in Lenardi's bracket. I don't think Kansas is going to end up being a one seed. Oh, because, okay, sure. Kansas, I mean, I Bill, Bill, I Bill Self had to bench David McCormack earlier this week. Now, David McCormack responded well, yada, 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 but... We talked about this in the beginning of the season, and honestly, I don't think they're going to be able to when when you've got Baylor. Um, first of all, I don't think there's room on the one line for multiple Big Twelve teams. Nope. I think there are enough good Big Twelve teams that there's only going to be one of them, um, and it won't be a you know there are two Big Twelve teams that are eighteen and two in conference, sixteen and two, whatever. Um, in conference and everybody else just sort of got beat up on. So they both have top four resumes. Um, I don't think that's going to be the case. And I think Baylor will be that team um, that takes a number one seed. Um, And it's not that, right. This is different from Kansas being bad. This isn't what we're talking about here, but one of the reasons I was so in on, Kansas at the beginning of the season and one of the reasons I thought Kansas was going to win the Big 12 originally was because I thought they had a I thought they had three guys that had a chance to win Big 12 player of the year and one of those guys is now coming off the bench because of how poorly how underwhelming he has been this season so um, it's very simply a he's on the one line they're on the one line right now and I don't think they're going to end up on the one line so that's that is why, and, and that's the difference here between I don't think Kansas is good and I'm out on them as a one seed. Right. I'm not buying into that at the moment. Um, but, and part of this is a Baylor thing because I am fond of Baylor. I'm fond of them. Um, and I don't think uh, that Kansas will be the Big 12 team representing the conference on the one line. I would give I would take the odds of them being a three seed that before I would the one I'm with you. Mm. Who's next for you. All right. So we're going back to our teams. We're in on. Correct. Seton Hall. I'm going to keep harping on the this. pirates. Cause the resume doesn't look great now. Cause they played half of their meaningful games without their team. Right. If they can, if once they get through this and as we mentioned last time, they're making progress toward getting healthy. I would be surprised if they are anything lower than a five seed. Okay. And they've played a tough schedule to start. They should be able to, with what they've got coming up the rest of this month, they should be able to just rack up the wins. And it started with taking care of business on the road against Butler. Mm-hmm. The record is going to look much better by the end of this thing. I have not changed my tune at all on them. I don't think where they are right now, based on their resume is an indication of where they will actually stand, where they, where they stand in terms of the best teams in the country and where they will end up being on selection Sunday. Yeah, I think, I think that's right. And this is, this is the, the weird thing about, right. And that, that's not, not to belittle the selection, but it's, that's almost a give me, that's almost a gimme just because of what COVID has done to the right. middle of the season. Seton Hall's on my list too for that exact reason, because at this moment, you're right. They have, I mean, there's a conversation that they're the second best team in the conference and typically, and and the big East is not bad enough this year that the second best team in the conference is only worthy of a seven seed or or a six seed that I think will get to the, as long as they get back healthy, right. And we kind of talked about, I think it was on the pod that we talked about the idea of like, once it goes through your team once, hopefully you don't have to really worry about it quite as much. Yep. In theory, at least. Um, but they're on my list as well for that, that same reason. I think that's a much better team than 
some of the results from the past. Right. It's you look at the resume and their best win is Texas, right? Michigan, like we said, there's several teams that like got their Michigan winners like, yes, that's like a signature win. And then right. people, other teams just kept getting those same wins. So all of a sudden it's not that, um, but like you said, um, it's similar to Villanova. Um, I mean, they get, they get a lot of gettable games, uh, especially after they play UConn uh, tomorrow, January 8th. After that, then you're looking at a lot of DePaul's and Marquette's and back-to-back St. John's and more Marquette's and Georgetown's. So yep. I am also there with you, but there, there, there's my, there's my third team. Is that your third and on team? Yes. Okay. So should we back? Do you want to bounce back the other way? Yeah, let's do it. Um, I we'll stick in the Big East. Um, I'm out on Marquette. Marquette is a bubble team right now. Marquette will not even nobody on any bracketology podcast show is going to even mention Marquette in any other way other than, hey, this team gets to play Marquette tomorrow. So like they should like like the only way we're talking about them is if um is if they're playing a team that like really just doesn't need another bad loss. And it's like, oh, they get to play Marquette. Like they'll, they're probably safe. Of, I'm being a little disrespectful to Shaka Sparks, Golden Eagles, way. but but we talked about this uh, on the last pod, so I'm not going to reiterate everything. But um, we, right early on, we talked oh, Marquette, five and oh, three wins over power conference teams. And now you look up and really we're talking about their best one being against Illinois, which is a, a good win, but like all of the other opportunities they've had, they missed out on it. Now getting a 32 point win over Providence is yep. a little weird, um, but I'll stand by um, that actually might, because like without that Providence win, they they might not be a bubble team at the moment, like on, on some of these brackets. Um, I think we're headed into the direction of, uh, the team that lost six of, you know, five of six rather than the team that won by that beat a Providence team. That's probably going to make the tournament by, by 32, but, uh, I don't think we're going to be talking Marquette in the bubble, uh, on the bubble by the time we get to early March. Maybe they're a sort of next four team out or something instead of a last four team in without that. Providence. Mm-hmm. I that, think that's the right. Okay. Yes. Yeah, meaning right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right now. Yeah. That game is the reason I refuse to put them on this list because the same thought crossed my mind. And I said they needed to – this is good. They got a really difficult stretch because they lost some games that they should have had. They delivered. Do Mm -hmm. I think it's going to continue that way? No. Do I agree with your assessment? Yes. Just couldn't bring myself to – that was a – they didn't just beat them. They ran them out of the building, and that's got to come or something. So I – I did not put them on the list. Okay. Who do you got? Iowa. In or out? Sorry. Out. Out. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yes. Do you know how many wins over NCAA tournament teams Iowa has? Um, we talked about Iowa a couple pods ago. Maybe it was just kind of in passing, but I think at one point is it Virginia? Is that it? Or Virginia's no, not a tournament consider, team? I don't consider Virginia an NCAA tournament team at this moment. So who is it? Uh, who's the it's nobody oh it's nobody okay yeah they have then then they have you know what josh they have zero wins against tournament teams that's my final answer their best wins are virginia and utah state fine Mm -hmm. basketball teams both in the 50 to 60 range in ken palm at the moment Mm -hmm. but here's here's specifically why i'm not on i they didn't get any Signature wins in non-conference. They've already lost to Purdue, Illinois, Iowa State, and Wisconsin. Now, of course, all very quality losses. Mm-hmm. They got to beat somebody, right? You are not getting into the NCAA tournament or at least getting in comfortable. Maybe they mm-hmm. find a way to stick around as a ball team. But you can't lose to every good Big Ten team you play. Mm-hmm. That's fifty, at least 50% of your conference, right? Because they haven't, you know, you still got a Michigan State in there. You've still got an Ohio State in there. They're going to see some of these teams again. Beating a Rutgers and a Minnesota and a Penn State is not going to be enough to keep Iowa where Iowa's at right now. Mm-hmm. So I am out. I I just 
have very little faith in their ability to consistently beat good teams. And that's what you have to do in the big time. I think that's, you know, I was number three in offense again at Kempom. I mean, like, say what we want to say about, you know, this Iowa team without Luca Garza, but Fran McCaffrey knows how to put an offense together. Oh, yeah. And Keegan Murray is, is like seventh in Ken Palm's yeah, player of the year. He's been terrific. He's been fantastic. But with all of that being said, they are to a much lesser degree. They have a lot of the same worries I have about Purdue from a way they operate perspective from a, like, we are all like, like Keegan Murray is sort of our, like, that's the first point of attack, AKA Jay Nivey again, on a different level, most of this, right. I'm not trying, I'm not really putting them in the same category in any way other than, yeah. So there's some nights that Iowa looks really impressive until they have a night where the shots aren't really falling. And then they, and it just so happens that at this point, the shots didn't really fall against pretty much all the good teams that they've played. (laughs) Yeah. Might be a reason for that. Wow, there's a little sarcasm in there. I kind of like that. A little bite to that. Yeah, yeah, not sarcastic. That was more... (laughs) There might be a reason they don't shoot the ball particularly well against good teams, because it's more difficult. Yeah. So I guess that was... I don't know what I was going for. You get the point. Yes, so you're out on Iowa. Yes. So are we... I've done four outs... And Same. three ends. Same. Okay. So it sounds like the, the logical place to go next is on the ends. Yeah. Let's stay in the Big Ten. Okay Hit me. I do one? Yeah, absolutely. I'm in on Illinois. In on Illinois. And s- somewhat similar to Seton Hall. Context has to matter here. Mm-hmm. As Kofi Coburn is obliterating the Big Ten. It's a pretty Coburn good ball player to- there. Yeah. Joe already has him to the five seed. Ken Palm says 12. They're much closer to Ken Palm than Lenore. Mm-hmm. I fully expect, at the very worst case, assuming Coburn stays healthy and plays, it's a four. Mm-hmm. If I had to guess, it's a three. Especially if Andre Carbello comes back at some point. But the way Alfonso Plummer and Trent Frazier are playing, they don't even need him. They're a top 15 team in the country, easy without him. That's I would agree with that. I, I got no issues there. Yeah, I, I think I think uh, I, I think and maybe it's a like Illinois was really good last year, but then they lost, you know, a lot of guys or significant players, including Iodasumu. Maybe it's like a it's like Illinois the like Illinois just being good gets uninteresting pretty quickly does that make sense mm-hmm. from from a like like they're not a top five team and like there aren't going to be people saying they're going to like probably not people saying they're about to they're going to win a national championship game like there were some people predicting as we were heading into march last year um but and then you had the way that they started the season where right you coburn isn't there for some of it and then also like I was really pumped about their backcourt and their backcourt looked really bad and dysfunctional really early on. And like, if, and it starts with Andre Curbelo because Trent Frazier, like Curbelo is there to sort of unlock Trent Frazier as a scorer. And if Curbelo was, you know, as unhinged as he was to start the season, then, then quick, you're like, yeah, they don't have Coburn. Like this is a really slow start. Yeah. They just like, you know, they lose to Marquette and then they lose to Cincinnati by 20. And then, but then you look up and it's been two months, you know, a month and a half since then. And their only loss is a four point loss to Arizona yep. an Arizona team. That's on the one or the two line um, at this moment uh, across uh, a handful of brackets. Next on my list, I'm in. On the Wildcats of Davidson. Thought about them too. Yep. Do you know where Lucas has Davidson right now? I'll say eight seed. An eleven seed, and that's where oh. Lenardi and that's where Lenardi has them as well. Davidson, the eleven seed, and I think that work uh, Davidson a ten seed according to yeah. Lenardi. Excuse me. 
And I think we're going to look up, and I think Davidson's going to be eight or nine. Sure, nobody the one seed doesn't want to play. That's that they're going to be the eight seed out of the eight ten that nobody wants to play. That's exactly right. Um, their losses are to they lost by five to San Francisco. We just finished talking about how I feel about the Dons, um, and their only other loss was uh, a loss to New Mexico State. Of course, they have the Alabama win. Um, they're now 45th at Kempom, top 20 offense. Um, and to be honest with you, you know, the A10 hasn't been great, <laughs> quite uh, disappointing, actually. Um, much more disappointing than I thought they, they would be. Um, but I think Davidson's going to win the A10, and the A10 is not that bad. That, the team that wins that conference is going to be an 11 seed or a 10 seed. You know, maybe it's an eight, maybe it's the ceiling is a seven, but that's still several seed lines ahead. And I think that's, we'll be closer to, to that with the Wildcats when we actually get there. I'm glad you mentioned them because I was a little disappointed. I left them out, man. Don't worry. It's like, I'm, I'm here to, I'm here to, um, to, to um, stop the disappointment. That's what I'm here for. I'm here for. Okay. Appreciate it. Who's your last team that you're out on? Louisville. Okay. Got to address all the teams with good records in the ACC. Mm. <laughs> and they're on the bubble with that 4-0 <laughs> in conference. Mm-hmm. Yes, Wake Forest, nice win. NC State, decent win. Georgia Tech, Pitt, not so much. Is still losses to Western Kentucky and Furman. DePaul's not looking great. Michigan State game wasn't close. And as I continue to harp on, that schedule is severely backloaded. Mm-hmm. They are going to face, I think they've got a Duke North Carolina back to back in there. It's it's not going to fall apart overnight because they start playing teams that are better than them. They've got some cushion here, but I fully expect this is going to be a, they look pretty good for a while and then second half and they lose six of seven, five of seven, four of six, something like that. And all of a sudden are sort of hovering around the NCAA tournament that they can put together a good stretch at the end and win some games mm-hmm. in the ACC tournament. But that doesn't actually end up happening and they just kind of sputter out. So even as an 11 seed right now, yeah. you're out on Louisville. Yes. Okay. Yeah. See, that's the kind of juicy stuff I'm here for because you're basically telling me that Louisville is not going to make the tournament if you're right. out on them as an 11 seed, Correct. which is what you said, but just from a, a team that is 10 and four and, and at this moment, as we speak a top they're atop the – you're going to disrespect a team that's atop the ACC rankings? I am. Standings, not rankings, standings for, for what that's worth. Um, you know, I, I don't – I have no idea how to think about ACC teams right now. Mm-hmm. Like, I know Duke's the best team in the conference. I know it's not particularly close. Um, but, like, I thought about putting Duke on my – I don't think they're going to be a one seed. Because I don't know, I don't have faith in Duke's ability to win this conference. And like, let me rephrase. I don't have faith in Duke to win this conference the way that their their skill and the gap between them and the rest of the conference suggests they should win this conference. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I think they're going to win it. I think they'd have to try really hard to lose it. But the idea of them like tripping up like they always seem to, no matter how big of a favorite they are to win the conference. Um, I think this year it won't matter because I think they're just that much better than everybody else. And even if they sort of end up 14 and six in the conference that, which I, I, that might be too many losses, but you know, usually it's, they stumble against a couple of teams they shouldn't, but Virginia won 18 and two. So they didn't even kind of get close to winning the conference. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, And 16 and four probably gets it done pretty easily this year. Um, And that's with, them, you know, having space to lose games that they, they, they shouldn't lose, but I have really no idea how to feel about, right. Cause you look at the top of, as you said, Miami's 12 and three, Louisville's 10 and four. Those two teams are atop the conference with four, no records, probably because Duke had a COVID postponement, but yep. um, 
all of those things you said, and I just, I, I, I'm not convinced that there are more than one good team in the ACC, to be honest with you. And that makes talking about them and seeing where some of these teams are as of January 7th, a little slightly more difficult to, uh, uh, to put my finger on. Right. If, if Duke has a couple conference losses, odds are one of them is not going to be a great loss. And that's going to be the difference mm-hmm. between staying on the one and being a two or even potentially a three. My guess is it's a two, but um, I'm with your logic there. Thank you. I appreciate that. Why? Uh, Josh, I, I, I have, I have, I've goofed. Are you ready for my goof? I've goofed. I don't know. Am I? It's it's not a big a big deal of a goof, but I had five teams written down and then approached it as, hey, I'm going to talk about Loyola Chicago and San Francisco in the same breath. So I'm looking for my fifth team here. There's not a fifth team here, and now I'm a little bit on an island in terms of my fifth uh, team that I'm in. And well, you have you have five, so I can just do my last one. Okay, that's fine. Hit, hit me. It's been a long day. I apologize. I mean, you had five. I did have five. This is true. I did. I technically did not fail that part of the assignment. No. Would, trivia time. Would you like to guess which Pac-12 team that is not one of the notable, very good Pac-12 teams has not lost since December 4th? Mm, is it Washington State? No, it's the team that just beat Washington State. I don't know. Tell me. Colorado. The Buffs? Would you like to guess how many times Colorado has played since December 4th? <laughs> My guess would be one. Four, four. Okay. <laughs> Give a little bit more credit than one. <laughs> well, I knew it was at least one, so I was pretty right. safe going with one. Maybe I should have gotten a little more uh, aggressive. Yes. Their one notable performance since then is a home win over Washington State. Okay. However, we're just doing some simple math in the Pac-12 here. They're 10 and three quality losses to UCLA and Tennessee, right? The resume is just pretty good. Is it NCAA tournament caliber at this point? No, probably not. But again, they seem to be the only other semi-competent Pac-12 team outside of the three that are very clearly going to make the NCAA tournament. Mm-hmm. That means there's a lot of wins to pick up. And that record's going to look quite impressive by the end of the season. If they can just knock off one of – get a, a win against USC or UCLA or Arizona, just a win or two against those, that's probably going to be enough because somebody's somebody's got to win these games again when all these other bad-to-average teams play each other. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to I'm gonna bet on the, the simple math and say that Colorado is going to get themselves squarely into the NCAA tournament conversation, if not into the field and that the Pac-12 is going to be good enough to get four teams. I saw something the other day that, like, there are three teams in the Pac-12 that, like, you could convince me have a chance to go to the Final Four, Mm -hmm. and then there are, like, three teams that right now have a chance to make the tournament. Like, like, like they they have – right, they might have more title contenders than any other conference, and they might also be the – like, they might be rivaling the ACC – for the fewest number of teams getting in from a power conference. Yep. What, do you, what do you think? You think those three teams that we're talking about, like they all have 15, win- <laughs> 15 wins and, no, and the team that gets to finish fourth went like, you know, eight and 12. See, I feel like somebody else has got to get to double digits just because the amount of games they play yeah. against the other teams. <laughs> yeah. Even if you lose all six. <laughs> Right. If you play those teams three times and, or twice, all three teams twice, and lose all of them, mm-hmm. that there's still enough to get somebody else over 500. You're probably right. I, I, I'm, I'm sure you're right, actually. But, um, but still, that's a, a funny situation. How in the world are you supposed to feel about the Pac 12 as a whole? They're going to win the let's talk about the three best teams in each conference conversation, at least be in the, in the mix. Mm-hmm. Um, but the let's talk about the tenth best team in each conference that um, they might be getting run out of the building. In that and one. it also doesn't help that most of the other conferences at this point we've seen enough games where we kind of have an idea, mm-hmm. and the Pac-12 just is getting 
crushed by postponements. Mm-hmm. Right. So we haven't, there's just not a lot of data on these teams because UCLA is not getting to play. Games are getting canceled here, canceled there. All these teams are on long extended pauses. And so it just feels like nobody has played in the Pac-12 yet, or it's one game here, one game there. But so many have been postponed that it's harder to get it. Other than there are clearly three teams and then the rest we're not too convinced by, it's hard to really start getting a better feel for how things are going to shake out down the rest of the standings. Whereas it's becoming kind of sort of clear, or at least you have a pretty good idea and some some logic to point to for the other conferences. We're just not there yet with the Pac-12. Yeah, I think you're right. I think I've run out of teams. I don't have any more teams on my list. Are you out of teams? Now we finished with our cheesecake. With our cheesecake. What's your cheesecake? What kind of cheesecake? I mean, I know you're a you're a simple cheesecake kind of guy. Indeed. All right. What's the cheesecake? Hit me with it. Oh, I was just well, we finished with our dessert, so I just picked oh. a different dessert. That's all. Oh, you know what? And it I like we're you know, we're gonna get out of here. We're gonna go eat real cheesecake. It's gonna be great. Um you got anything else other than like praying to the heating gods that nobody's heat goes out tonight because I can feel the cold through the wall right now. Mm-hmm. Mm. Saturday. I'm good slate. Very excited. That's all. That's it. Man, a few words. Um I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna elaborate here momentarily. Kind of like Yoda. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah. UConn Seton Hall. On the Big East side of things, the Villanova DePaul, I'm sure that's what you were talking about. Um, Michigan, Michigan State. Man, if you told me that on January 7th, Michigan State would be going to Ann Arbor, and my guess is that they're favored. Oh, they have to be. Not by much. There's not a line. My guess is that they will be favored. But the, but the ESPN matchup predictor gives Michigan a 57% chance of winning that game. Anyways, point is still the same. If you asked me, if you told me one of those teams were going to be ranked on January 7th and you asked me to pick which one, I would not have picked Michigan State. Nope. Um, Kansas, Texas Tech. Yep. Kansas, Texas Tech. Sneaky good one in San Diego. Colorado State at San Diego State. Yep. Tennessee, LSU. Tennessee, LSU. Iowa State's going to prove you wrong, starting with a win at uh, the Fighting Porter Mosers. Um, Miami at Duke. Good test for the Hurricanes. Don't expect them to win, but, you know. One of these days, Arizona's going to play basketball again. One of these days. At least against a team that were kind of, like, they play at Arizona State. They, they were like, you know what? You know what? We're going to play Washington for you because that's the game you, all, you guys all want to see. Washington's won, what, like four and a half games in the last three years? But don't worry. They got that one in. They could have sneakily can we talk about that for 17 seconds? Like there's a very real world in which it's January 7th and Arizona just came off a three-game losing streak to Tennessee, UCLA, and USC, or they just came off a three-game winning streak or a two-game winning streak against the other two best teams in their conference. Anyways, I'm I I I ponder the idea of what how would we be talking about? Arizona right this second if they had played all three of those games right they lose to Tennessee we talked about them being a little bit deer in the headlights ish in the first half of that Tennessee game they come back and make that a game but um are we talking about Tommy Lloyd's team differently if they play all three of those games we will never know um to me the answer is yes better or worse I don't know but right right one way or the other yeah I, I mean I suppose there's a way there's a world in which they go one and two, yeah. they lose to Tennessee by four, they lose to USC or the uh, one of those teams by three or six or whatever. And it's like, okay, yeah. yeah, Arizona is not obviously the best team in the Pac-12 maybe, right. but they're still a top 10 team in the sport. Yeah. Um, I think that would have been a fair place uh, to land, but nonetheless. Do you, um, do you see what their next scheduled game is? Is it the Buffs? Yeah. I'm looking at it right now. At I, I, the Buffs at home. The buffs at home. So yeah, good hoops this weekend. Um, we'll uh, coordinate a plan of attack about how to discuss said weekend on Monday's pod. But until then, please take care of yourselves. If it's cold where you are, wear a jacket outside. 
uh, it's advice I rarely take uh, myself, but wear a good jacket um, and uh, stay warm. We'll talk to you again on Monday. Please subscribe to the Jays for Days podcast now podcast, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at Jays for Days Pod. And we'll see you in a few days. Thank you so much for listening to this edition of the Jays for Days podcast. I'm Josh. He's Josh. And we, he's Josh Doring, by the way. I'm Josh Molinex. I was thinking about that the other day. How we almost never say our last names. That's Josh Doring. I'm Josh Molinex. It's always a pleasure. I'm Josh. He's Josh. And we'll see you later.